here today. And I ask you, Father, to just come and meet every need. <laughs> give us a good service and a good message. And we give you all the praise, for you are so good. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord is good, isn't he? You know, my mom's gone on to be with the Lord, and I miss her this morning. I, it's kind of a, I miss her, but I'm really happy for her because I know she's, she's happy with the Lord today. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is good. Amen. Ivron Dorabosso Bocorbidioso, Randela Kididia Sahalabashe, Bocoso Horabandela Kididioso, Mashe Kididia Saharabese. It is a good thing to give honor where honor is due, and today you may think it's not very spiritual. However, I'm the one who created mothers and motherhood, and through that I gave the blessing of the procreation of life that has an eternal spirit. So it's a good thing as you reach out and as you remember your mother and as you bless her, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's a good thing. Amen. Now, would you like to come preach? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Would you just tell the person next to you, I'm really glad to be in church today. Amen. We miss, I miss those who are not able to come today. Uh, we miss them very much, but uh, I pray that they're having a good day and a good Mother's Day. Amen. Would you take your Bible and join me in a confession of faith over the word that we're about to hear? And uh, let's, just, let's just set ourselves to receive something from the Lord today. You, no, matter, you, no matter what scripture I were to pick, uh, you can get a word from it. Amen. Guys, gals, old, young. Anyway, you can get a good word, and I believe the, word, the Lord will speak to you today. Amen. So say with me, thank you, Lord, for your word. Today, as I hear the word, my faith will be energized. I confess, I'll not only hear it, I'll also do it. Because I hear it, and I do it, my life won't stay the same. Thank you, Lord, for your life-changing, ever-living, miracle-working word. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Imagine with me, if you will, that all over this country, 314 million people, every state and every time zone, you know, from the largest city on the east and west coast and, you know, the south to the smallest village in the Appalachians or in the Rockies, all over America, everybody in America is celebrating Mother's Day today. Now listen, that's an amazing thing. In the world, in the city, in the, I mean, in the country that we live in where we can't agree on hardly anything, you know, I mean, uh, here is one, one special subject, one event that the whole nation can agree to celebrate on. I mean, it's a, it's a ho every holiday, you think you take Christmas, you know, where you got your supporters and you got your critics, you, you take any other, most any other holiday, of course, Father's Day would be in this too. But, you know, you take any other holiday and, and uh, usually somebody's got something, but who can't celebrate Mother's Day? I mean, you know, we celebrate, we all celebrate mothers, amen, and uh, all, those, uh, all those wonderful things that can be said. When we say, who can, if you say anything, I mean, you don't dare say anything bad about a mother, right? 
I mean, that's fighting words, you know, or lawsuit words. You, you can say bad about most, any, most anybody in America, and you're going to get away with it, but not, not about mothers. As I mentioned, my mother's gone on to heaven, and she's enjoying her reward today, and she's, she's with the one that she served all of her life, praise the Lord. But I was, I was thinking about mom, and, uh, you know, her prayers and her life, is, is, they're still alive. They're still working today. Her prayers are still, they're still working. She's the one that helped to pray me into the kingdom of God uh, when I was uh, running from God. She's, she helped pray Scott into the kingdom of God, praise the Lord. There was a time when he, you know, he wasn't really focused on, on the things of God. And before she passed away, uh, she, she helped to pray uh, Julius and Mason, her grandsons, you know, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's a wonderful thing, you know. And here they are, six years old, ten years old, and they do know the Lord. They have a relationship with God. And she's a, a part of that. A Abraham Lincoln said that no man is poor who has a godly mother. No man is poor who has a godly mother. So from that standpoint, I'm, I'm surely, surely rich. Mothers impart an impact into their lives. Can I tell a little story about Mason this week? Well, Mason was, um, Mason got sick this week. He had an earache. Mason's a six-year-old. You know, he had an earache, and it was hurting him real bad. Of course, they prayed for him, and then they texted us, and, and we prayed for him, and he had a rough time of it. But finally, he went to sleep, right? If I, t if I tell this wrong, you can fix it after the service, okay? Uh, uh, anyway, he finally went to sleep. He slept during the night, and he woke up the next morning. He felt all better. And so Melissa, being a godly mother, she says, well, let's just throw our hands and thank Jesus for you feeling better. So he lifted his hands as he started thanking Jesus, said he felt better, and he just broke out speaking in tongues for about a minute. Hallelujah. Isn't that pretty good, huh? Six years old. That's awesome. Nobody coached him. Nobody... I don't even know when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, but he obviously is. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. So we thank God for godly mothers and great-grandmothers and great-great-grandmothers for the impact that they have um, on our lives through their prayers and example and their wisdom and so forth. I guess if there's any fault that you could hold against mothers, any, any you know, it would be that sometimes they're overprotective. Any of you guys know what I'm talking about? Sometimes they're a little irrational with their overprotectiveness. You know, it's like my, my mom was always telling me, no matter what I did, you're going to break your neck. <laughs> no matter what you did, you run through the house, you didn't get, you're going to break your neck. Well, I know she, you know, but I think she was being a little overprotective. Uh, the, there's a comic strip of Calvin and and Hobbes, you heard that one, Calvin and Hobbes, you ever, anybody, don't tell me you read that, okay. But anyway, <laughs> one of the little, one of the little uh, writings was uh, of Calvin, and he came up to his mother, and he says, he said, Mother, can, can Hobbes and I go play outside in the rain? And she said, no. He said, why not? She says, because you'll get soaked. He said, well, what's the matter with that? She says, well, if you get soaked, you'll get pneumonia. If you get pneumonia, then you're going to start running a terrible fever. And you get starting with a fever, you're going to have to go to the hospital. And we're going to have a big bill. And before long, you'll linger for a while, and then you're going to die. He went over to the window, and he started looking. He says, I have to always remember, if you ask mom, you get a worst-case scenario. <laughs> Hobbs said, he, he, he said, I had no idea showers were that dangerous. <laughs> Amen.
I can remember my mother used to come up with some of the some of the most some of the strangest reasons why I couldn't do something. You know, she was. Uh, I remember thinking, well, man, that don't make sense, but I didn't dare tell her. Because <laughs> another one of her little sayings was, well, I'm going to knock your head over into next week. <laughs> Mother was real kind, hallelujah. <laughs> one of the four-year-old made a really big mess. He spilled all his stuff on the carpet, just made a terrible mess. His mother just went berserk. She just lost it. She had everything she could. She just went crazy. Finally, she quieted down. And the four-year-old thought he'd help the situation out a little bit. He went up to her and he rubbed her. He says, Mommy, you forgot to ask Jesus to help you be nice today, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, if you know, that went over real well. <laughs> Monica and I were talking about Mother's Day, and uh, she asked me what I was going to share. And I said, what am I got some things I'm thinking about. She said, well, why don't you just share something about your mother? And I, I thought, man, I don't want to do that because I'm sure she can still hear me. <laughs> but it did kind of... <laughs> I bet she can. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you wouldn't hear through the, through the heavens ringing one day, Albert Clyde, come home. <laughs> so she, anyway, that's just, you know, forget it. I did get to think about it. It did, you know, cause me to think about how strong she was and, and godly she was while she was here on this earth. And it got me thinking about another woman in the scriptures who had similar tra uh, traits. She was a very strong woman and very godly, very similar to, to my mother, very noteworthy characteristics. You can't say they were alike, but just you know, strong women. I like strong women. You know, praise the Lord, somebody that'll straighten you out. That's why I married Monica. She, she <laughs> straightens me out all the time. But character traits, character traits, character traits that, that can help you when you get in the middle of trouble can help you come out with victory at the other end. And so I'm going to talk to you for just a few minutes. Uh, this morning uh, about this particular lady. I can't really give you her name because the Bible didn't give us her, her name, but her story is in 2 Kings chapter 4. So if you want to go there, they'll probably put the scripture up on the board. But in 2 Kings chapter 4, I really can't read all of her story because just this portion, there's about 30 verses that per pertain to her, but I'll read a little bit to it. Verse 8 introduces us to her. It says, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a noble woman. Now I'm reading out of the New King James. I think the, uh, the King James says a great woman, a great woman. And uh, what do you mean? She was a noble woman, a great woman. She was, uh, if you look in W. Vines, uh, it, it talks about how great in name, great in name, great in, great in stature, a notable person, great in character great in character, uh, great in influence. Her reputation was good. She was a noble, a noble woman. Praise the Lord, distinguished. Amen. Now it says that in Shunem, there was this notable woman and she persuaded Elisha to eat some food. 
And so it was, as often as he passed by, that he would turn in there to eat some food. Now, perhaps you've read the rest of the, you know, her story here. It goes on, you know, as I said, for a long, a uh, good bit. And it's also picked up again. You'll read about her in chapter 8 if you want to see some more about it. But let me just kind of tell you a little bit of it. I'll tell it as quick as I can, kind of save some time. But here's this lady and her husband. We don't know much about her husband, but he, he's in the story. And uh, they become acquainted uh, with Elisha. Elisha is uh, he's a pretty important man. In fact, he's a very, very important man. He's, he's uh, the prophet of the Lord. Uh, he's a messenger of the Lord. Uh, he's famous. He's well-known in the land. He's known by the kings. All the kings and all the surrounding countries know him. Uh, he's known by the people in authority, the police, the military. He's known by the politicians. He's known by everybody because he's known as the man who, who hears from God and uh, who is the messenger of God. Praise the Lord. And so anyway, he comes through Shunem. They reach out to him and uh, they invite him in, feed him begin to treat him nice, treat him, treat him good. And then later, if we read the story, we see that later they build a room on the house for him. Uh, they got to thinking, so on, you know, he just needs to have, so they build this room, they furnish it real nice, you know, and they make it to where that every time he travels through there, he can just come and stay at their house. Well, uh, they're so kind of them. Uh, time passes. Uh, then there's this one day that he's there and he's up in his room and he's uh, just just sitting back thinking obviously he's just sitting back thinking about how nice they've been how good they've been to him and uh he thinks well, what, what can i do for him you know these people have been so good to us what what can i do for him so he asked his servant he says he said go down Gehazi, and ask them what can i do for him can i talk to the king for him maybe i could talk to the political leaders of the town council or i could do something for him you know put in a good word is there anything i do well Gehazi goes down and and uh, this notable woman this great woman no, there's nothing we can do for us. We don't need anything. You know, we don't need you to go to the king. We don't need anything to do that. We're just fine. Everything's good. We don't, we don't want a thing from you. So Gehazi comes back up and tells him that, and, and he, he says, well, Gehazi, there's got to be something we can do for him. He said, what do you think? Gehazi makes a comment. He says, you know, I just don't realize there's, any, there's not any children around this, this place. He says, she's barren. She doesn't have any kids. So Elisha, uh, he, he, he gets an inspiration, you know, and he says, well, you go and call her and tell her to come up here. And now we're down into verse 16. And he looks at her and he says, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. Praise the Lord. Now she looks at him and she says, no, my Lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. In other words, she said, don't you tease me. Don't be joking me. Don't be pulling my leg. We would say, you know, don't you be teasing me. You know, uh, don't tell me something like that. You know, it's not going to happen. Undoubtedly, this had been something that would kind of be a sticking point with her. But on verse 7, it says the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. Praise the Lord. Now, everybody's happy. Glory to God. She's, she's happy. I'm sure her husband is happy. She's got this healthy boy. Life is good. God is good. Hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But have you know that just like life, just like your life, just like your life, that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. One day, one day as the boy grows older, uh, Papa goes out in the field, the boy goes out in the field with him, and out in the field that day he gets sick. He grabs his head, he says, oh, 
you know, and so daddy does what all good daddies do. He says, he, he says take him to mama. <laughs> take him to his mother. She let her, minister, let her work with him, you know, and she did. They took him to her and she put him on his lap and she was obviously ministering to him. But he dies. He dies. So now, what is she, what is she to do? Now listen to me. What is this woman, what is this mother, what is this mother going to do at this critical point of shock? I mean, it's got to be shocked. The Lord gave her this son, and now this tragedy has hit, you know. Uh, what, she, what she does, what she does, whether she thinks about it, realizes it or not, what she does at that critical point in life is going to have a bearing on how the story is going to end. That's a good lesson for us to learn right there. You know, what you do, what, when, the, when the crisis comes, the response that you, that you make is going to have a bearing on how your story is going to end. So what does she do here? She, you know, she, she took the baby. She went up to Elisha's room. She laid the baby on the, on the bed, closed the door behind her. What is she doing? She, she, did, she, she did this act of doing what she could to make her connection with God. She begins to try to connect, uh, connect to God. Well, the baby's up in the room. The door is shut. She sends out to the field. She says, her husband, she says, you send me a good, fast, young man, and you send me a donkey. He said, well, well, you need all this. She said, I got to go see the man of God. He said, well, you need to do that. It's not, you know, it's not time. She just said her only response was, he, she says, it's well. It's well. If you look in the King James and you, you notice some of those words, you know, in that little phrase are italicized. In her Bible, they'll be italicized. Literally what she's saying, she literally just says, it well. It well. Amen. She saddles in the donkey, and she tells this guy, this young man, she says, you take a hold of this donkey, and you go as fast as you can. Don't, do not stop unless I tell you to. So she gets on the donkey, and he takes off running, and they run to Mount Carmel, which if, if I have it right, I was trying to look at it. It looks like it's about 29 miles away from where they were. Showing them to Mount Carmel's 29 miles, but they head out. They're going as fast as they can. Well, they get almost there, and somehow, I don't know how, but Elisha sees them coming. Now, Mount Carmel is way up. I've been there, and, and so perhaps they're coming up through the valley. He, make his, he could see somebody coming, and he discerns. That's that Shunammite woman. He sends Gehazi out there. He says, ask her three questions. He said, first of all, ask her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your son? And she just kind of brushes him aside, and she says, it's well, and she just keeps coming. She keeps coming. When she gets to, when she gets to, to Elisha, that's where I want to pick up the story, and I want to read it. I'm going to begin in verse 27. And, and she came to the man of God at, at the hill, and she caught him by the feet. Gehazi came, tried to push her away, but, and the man of God says, leave her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. The Hebrew uh, the, the Hebrew for that is bitter. Her soul is bitter, like enraged. There is, she, there is something really going on inside this woman. She's enraged. She's bitter. She is, she is grieved. And he says, leave her alone. Her soul is in distress. And the Lord's hidden it from me and has not told me. And she looked at the prophet and she said, did I ask you for a son? Did I ask you for the son? Did I, did I ask you to come give me a son? No, I didn't ask you for this. I didn't put in this request. You and the Lord had this to do. Amen. This is not my doing. And then he, she says, did I not say don't deceive me? Don't you mess with me? Don't play with me? Don't jest with me? You know, don't tease me about a son? 
and, and the prophet said to Gehazi, I bet he figured out pretty quick what was going on, right? He said to, the, he said to Gehazi, he said, you get yourself ready and you take my staff in your hand and you'll be on your way. And if you meet anybody, don't greet them. If anybody stops you, don't greet them, don't answer them. But you lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So she arose, he arose and followed her. I think that's, a, that's an interesting verse. I, I see the tenacity here of a mother. I'm telling you. You know what she's telling him here? She said, you're sending Gehazi with the staff, but that is not good enough. That is not going to cut it. I'm not leaving here with Gehazi going with no staff. I ain't leaving here till you come with me. And we make sure that this situation is fixed. Why is she doing that? Because he is her connection to God. In this dispensation, he is her connection to God. She's going to get connected to God and come out of this calamity. Now watch this. The mother of the child says, the Lord lives, I'm not going to do that. Now Gehazi went on ahead and he laid the staff on the face of the child and there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back and he, he met them and he said, the child has not wakened. When Elisha came to the house, there was this child lying dead on the bed. And he came in therefore and he shut the door behind him, behind the two of them, and he prayed to the Lord. Now he doesn't tell us what the prayer was, but I can just imagine what this prayer was. This prayer is something like, Lord, I got an angry mother right here on my hands and you're going to have to do something now. You, you know, you got to do something. He went up and he lay on the child, put his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on his eyes and hands on his hands. He stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. And he returned or he went downstairs and he walked back and forth in the house. And then he went up again and he stretched himself out on the child and the child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and he said, you, you call the Shunammite woman and he said to her, and when, so he called her, and when she came in to him, he said, well, pick up your son. So she went in. She's all happy now. She fell down on her, at his feet. She bowed to the ground. She picked up her son, and she went out. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good story. Everybody's happy. God is good. Everybody say hallelujah. Now we got a story that in all natural perspective you know it should have ended in a tragedy the tragedy of grief the woman got a child didn't have a child had a child trouble came lost a child but here this story ended in the victory and joy why because of the touch of almighty god now, now to me as i was thinking on this story to me this is this is this story is like real life it's one of those just story in the old testament and it's kind of a strange story this this is just like real life to me because there's good and there's bad. Everybody say good and bad. There is good and there's bad. There is good things that happen to us and there are bad things that happen to us. Life's trials and, and, and life's conflicts are going to happen to us all no matter who you are, no, no, no matter how good you are, no matter what you try to do, good and bad is gonna happen. And the end, the end, the end results you know, you're going to have something to do with the end results. Whether you have the end results with victory and the power of Jesus Christ or the outcome of, you know, just fate, whatever kind of happens, whatever the world hands you or whatever, the, you know, the devil hands you, 
there's a difference and you can make a difference in what is going to happen is the end of your story amen now in this story the Shunammite mother her story ended in joy we're just so thankful for that praise the Lord but as I read this story and and began to think of it and the thought of her husband and then I began to think of their life and the whole story became apparent to me that it turned out as a victory not because of just one thing that she did it turned out at the end of it turned out in joy it turned out in victory because there's a series of things there's a there's a uh, a lifestyle here there's a their, their character traits their values uh, a relationship with God that had been going on before the child ever came and before the child ever passed away amen therefore something else was going on the outcome the outcome of this story was not just a matter of fate it wasn't just a matter of what will be will be whatever's going to happen is going to happen it was not just a matter of you know something that is beyond the possibility of turning out good amen but there was a lifestyle of things that set them up for god's intervention and as I thought on that, I, I began to look at their life, and, and I believe the Lord reminded me of this. The first thing that I saw about him is here was, a, here was a couple that had intense, true respect and honor for God. They had honor. They respected God. They, they um, you, see, you, you see, if you read the story and you understand the, the context that was not just a given because where they lived and in Israel at that time uh, it was common for for there to be idol worshipers all around them the the countries that were all around them there was no big strong central God-fearing government in place there was no big godly king commanding everybody to serve the Lord no it was common that people mixed religion they served a little bit of Jehovah they served a little bit of Baal sometimes they were just total idol worshipers in fact Elisha would spend much of his time going around the country preaching and he would be preaching to people and encouraging people to have a purity in their worship for God Almighty and here in the middle of all of that, you've got a couple who have a respect and an honor for God. And they serve the Lord and they love God. And then they carried it further. Not only did they love the Lord, but the second thing is that they, they loved the ministry of the Lord. They loved the servant of the Lord. They loved, look how they took in Elisha. They, they loved the things of God. Look at the respect that they showed this man. Look at the respect that they showed the ministry that he had. In fact, if, uh, if you read after those who studied the life of Elisha, uh, many of them bring out the fact that Elisha's ministry was so different than Elijah's. But Elisha, he had such a different personality. And his was not only the ministry of the prophet to the nation, but he was like the pastor to the whole nation. He'd just go all over the country. From place to place to place he loved to mix elijah elijah wanted to be alone he wanted to come show up blow out with fire and then run away not elijah elijah he, he was like a pastor to everybody you know and he tried to draw him in and, and tried to minister to everybody and here they was they invited him into their house they appreciated him they appreciated the ministry why why? Just because he was a likable guy? I don't believe so. I believe it's because he was the servant of the Lord. And they had an appreciation and a love for him doing the work of the Lord. So now we've got, we've got this, this lady 
They have a deep honor and reverence and respect for God. They have a deep honor and respect, you know, for the, uh, for the, for the ministry of the Lord and the people of the Lord. And then thirdly, when I read about it, I see that there's this, there's this nature about them of generosity. They were, they were generous, generous people. I mean, how many other people does the Bible say offered uh, Elisha accommodations, offered him food, brought him into their house, built a place on their own house and said, this is just your place, furnished it well. We don't read of anybody else doing that. Told him, anytime you come through Shunem, this is your house. Our house is your house. There's this nature of generosity about him. And you say, well, I don't know what that has to do with it. Well, it has a lot to do with it because generosity positions you for the favor of God. Oh, yeah. Generosity. Gener generosity. You say, well, that's like buying God. No, no, no. We're not saying anything. No. Generosity is like God. It's likeness with God. That's like us acting like God. And God has a connection with that. You remember in Acts chapter 10? You remember the story of Cornelius? It begins to explain who he was. How did, it, how did it describe him? He said, here was a man who was pray, who prayed to God and gave alms, and that built a memorial before God on his behalf. God remembered him because of his praying and his generosity, his giving. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 58, it says, feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness that is around you shall be as bright as the day. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy you with all good things. He'll keep you healthy, too. And you'll be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Proverbs 28, verse 27 says, If you give to the poor, your needs will be supplied generosity positions you with favor with the Lord. He says, but a curse is upon them who close their eyes to poverty. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, it's possible to give away and to become richer. It's possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. Yes, the liberal man. I talked to you this morning about the liberal man. It says the liberal man shall be rich by watering others. He waters himself. The liberal man. A guy who gives and blesses out of his prosperity. So now watch. There's something that set them up for a miracle. They loved and honored God. This is a lifestyle. They, they were worshipers. They weren't idol worshipers. They loved and honored the men of God, the woman of God. They loved the people of God. They loved the work of the Lord. They had a generous giving spirit. They had a heart of generosity. Not only that, they had, if you read the story, they had a remarkable attitude of giving with a pure motive. So well, how do you know that? Well, I know by the way they gave. They did good because it was good. They didn't do good because of what they could get back as a benefit, as some reward. If I do good, then you know this is going to, you know, what am I going to get out of this? It wasn't their attitude whatsoever when Elisha sent Gehazi to, to them and said, what, what can we do for you? How can we help you? He said, we don't need anything. We don't want anything from you. We're not asking anything from you. We didn't do this to get anything. We just did it because we just wanted to, just wanted to do it. You know, here she was. She did have a need. She's barren. She could approach the prophets, as you know. Well, been so good to you. Why don't you pray for me that I have a child? They didn't do that. That was not in their being. It was not even their attitude. It wasn't their attitude. I think one of the, one of the great lessons that my pastor taught me is to never regret what you release. To never regret what you've given. To, to regret something that you've ever, that you've released or that you've given is to, is to, 
in many ways to take the attitude that that's all God has that that's all the blessing that God has that God can't bless me with anything else because you know I released that and now it's gone you know and so now I regret it I should have kept it I should have held on to it oh no now and my pastor taught me he said don't 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 even think that way because the blessing that God gave you and you gave away God's got plenty more to give you that you can either be blessed or you can give it away there's always an endless supply of blessing from the Lord can somebody say amen there's always an answer the seed that you release out of your hand the gift that you give out of your hand is not lost it's just placed into a position to begin to produce more harvest for you you got to have the right attitude they had a good motive they just gave they didn't give oh so we could get so we could get they just gave because it was good and you know what that's the way God is God lives to give say that with me God lives to give God lives to give and I believe that there's a place that we can come in a lifestyle where that we we literally live to give so wait now tell me what we got a we got a couple that they really love the Lord they honor God right they, they honor the work of the Lord they honor the people of God what else what's the next one did y'all write these down huh am I gonna have to go back and look at my own notes <laughs> They were generous. They were generous. Number four. Y'all not even listening to me, are you? <laughs> it's Mother's Day. We're thinking about lunch. Hallelujah. The pastor could go home. They were generous, but they had the right motive. They were generous with the right motive, a pure motive. Let's put it that way. They had a pure motive. Okay, last thing. I'll do this in close because I know you're not, you're not getting this anyway. Along with their love for the Lord, here's something else that was going on in it. They had this, they had a developed faith in God. They developed their faith in God. When trouble came, the mother, it's, a, it's beautiful. I love this. The mother responded with an act of faith. She responded with an act of faith. What was the first thing that she did when her child died? She took the child to the room of the prophet, put him on the bed. You say, well, what does that have to do? We remember their dispensation. Remember the time frame. It wasn't like it was today. You know, Jesus has come. We're new. We're born again. Our spirit's alive unto God. We just go to God and talk to God, use our faith, you know, uh, and, and God just ministers to us, you know, praise the Lord. It wasn't like that. They had a connection with the Lord, and her connection with God was the man of God. It was the prophet of God, you know? And so what did she do? She took an act of faith, and she began to make that connection, a faith connection with God. God's going to change this. Something's got to happen. I am, not, I am not just going to go bury this child. It took time to go 29 miles on a donkey. Amen. It took time to, to come back 29 miles on a donkey. I mean, I mean, think about it. That's more than a marathon on a donkey. And the little guy had to run the whole thing twice. The little guy pulling her donkey. You know, it took time to do that. That baby's laying dead on the bed the whole time. She's saying, as an act of faith, this is not the end of my story. I'm going to make my connection with God. And she told the prophet, you're not sending me away. I am not going back without you. 
course, we know the end of the story. She reacted to the disaster as an act of faith in God and his power, his power to reverse her calamity. And, of course, God did it, and we praise the Lord for that. It was a, it was a wonderful ending to the story. But it only happened because they had readied themselves for victory when the, when the calamity came. They had established a connection with God according to the way that they could have a relationship with the Lord. Amen. What are you saying? I guess what I'm, I'm trying to say to you is that every mother, all of us, but every mother, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're married or you're single, young or old, every one of you, you're going to face things that sometimes feel like it's going to sink your boat. Her, her story to me is a real life story. Y'all going to face that, you know. I'm smart enough to know that Every one of you that are here today, in fact, do you know that there's some moms that stayed away from church today just because they can't stand the pain of a Mother's Day in a church service? But I'm smart enough to know that many of you that are here today, many of you moms, you know, you know, you came in this morning to the smiles and the handshakes and everybody saying Happy Mother's Day to you. But I happen to know that, you know, everything's not hunky-dory, peachy cream. You're... You know, maybe you're you're here today. Maybe you're a single mom, and you're just struggling trying to make ends meet. Every month, you just try to struggle to have enough to pay the light bill and put food on the table. You're trying to be mommy, and you're trying to be papa too. There's things that are going on in your life. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're married. Married moms, listen, single moms, married moms don't always have it made either. You married moms, you know, they go home and sometimes their, their family, their home is not just all peachy cream either. They go home and the kids are a mess. There's things going on in the house. There can even be financial problems in married, in married homes also, right? Sometimes um, um, a woman goes home, a mother goes home, and she's got a husband that's more, seems like he's more absent than he is present. There's, there's things that go on in, in those situations. You may be a mom here this morning, and you're, you just carry, you know, for whatever, you, you, you carry a burden of the past. Maybe something happened in the past, and you're carrying it, and you, need, you, you just need a touch from God. This Shunammite woman, listen, there was nothing that was going to solve her problem but a touch from Almighty God. Some, you may be here that that way. You may be here and, and there's just things going on in your life. A loved one is sick. You may be a mom that's here and, and when your baby was born you gave it up to another family, a loving family, so that that child could have a better chance of a life. Something you just couldn't do. It's an act of your love to do it. And what you're left with is a memory, a little memory, a short memory. Maybe you're left with a pain, a regret. Maybe you're like the Shunammite woman. I find this all the time. This, this, this woman, she really wanted a child. I don't know what reason. I don't know why she couldn't have a baby. I, I don't know why she couldn't conceive. Or maybe you're here and, and you, you can conceive, but you haven't carried a baby full term. It's just for whatever reasons you can't do it, you know? There's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of hurts that are going on. I, I know there are mothers that are here today, and you didn't, you don't have, a, you didn't have a mother. You never had a mother that really would love you and hold you and, and teach you. 
and there's hurts there. I, I, I pray with, I've prayed with precious ladies, and there's anger. Why? Only God can touch that, and only God can heal it. I guess what I'm just saying is to all the mothers who, they find themselves on this Mother's Day in a situation where everything is not just peachy. Everything's not just perfect. I just have a word for you, that God is here and that God can touch your life. He can also touch your world. This, this lady in 2 Kings chapter 4 found herself in a place where the only thing that would fix her situation was God. There was no doctor, there's no hospital, there's no medicine. She needed a miracle. And I just believe that the same God, the same Jesus that touched her little baby can touch your life today. Here's what I want to do. I, I, I just prayed. I said, Lord, well, how to pray? I don't want to embarrass anybody. And, you, you know, some things are just going on inside and they're just between just between a person and God. And I felt like the Lord said, well, if you want to pray for all of them and you, you know you don't know and you don't want to embarrass people and call out things and so forth, why don't you just, why don't you just have the moms stand and you can just pray and pray over those particular areas. And um, for those that need that part of the prayer, let them receive it. Let them receive it. So that's what I'm going to do this morning. I, I'm, just, I'm just going to ask if you, if you want prayer, and every mama needs prayer, if all the mamas would just stand to your feet, and I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to connect to God this morning with you, and we're going to release our faith together. Whatever it is, mom, that you're needing from the Lord, or even today, if you're standing there and everything's peachy cream, hallelujah, I'm rejoicing with you. I'm doing the dance of joy, hallelujah. But particularly for those that you need a touch from God, just receive the part that touches your life. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that you gave us an invitation to come into your throne room, into your presence. And we come by the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. The name that opens the treasure chest of heaven. The name that releases the resources of heaven, that brings healing, oh God. The name that restores. The name that is above every name. Jesus, in your name, I pray first of all, O oh Lord, for those this morning who have children that are away from God or there's problems going on with their children. Perhaps the child is sick. Perhaps there's something that's wrong with the child, their child, O oh Lord, and they need a divine touch from God. I pray, O oh Lord, that you'll minister to them. O oh Lord, some have, a, have children and they're rebellious. They're away from God and they're rejecting the Lord. Some of them, O oh Lord, are, are disrespectful of their parents and of authority. And I pray, O oh God, for that situation. I, I join my faith with it, that mother. And I say, Lord, move divinely. Lord, move in that situation and cause there to be change. Heavenly Father, I pray for the single moms here today. I pray, O oh Lord, for their provision. I pray, O oh Lord, that they'll never feel alone pray, O oh Lord, that you will be so close to them, that you'll be a father to them, and that you will be as a husband to them, O oh Lord, and that you will help them and you'll give them wisdom.
And they'll be able to do it, oh God. They'll be able to be strong in the Lord and the power of, of His might. And they can be mama and daddy when they need to. They can, they can fulfill, Lord Jesus, that whole realm and, and meet the needs of their, of their child. I pray, oh Lord, for provision. I pray for, for, for prosperity. Lord, prosperity is not, just, is not just for married people. Prosperity is for everyone, oh Lord, that will, that will walk in your word and function in your economy. So I pray, oh Lord, that you'll just pour out your blessing on people, oh Lord, single moms this morning. I pray, oh God, for mothers today who have lost their moms. Their mom's gone on to be with the Lord. Or I pray, oh Lord, for them, that person or those persons who don't have a mother. They never had a mother. Something happened. And Lord, I, I pray that the anger inside will, 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 be, will be touched by your hand of peace. I, I pray, that, pray, oh God, that the pain will, will be touched with I pray, oh Lord Jesus, for that person who out of an act of love gave up their baby. I pray, oh Lord, that you will fill that void with your wonderful presence, oh Lord. I pray, oh Lord Jesus, I pray, oh Lord Jesus, for the person, oh Lord, who desires very much to have a baby, but for whatever reason, oh Lord, they've not been able to conceive or to be able to carry full term. I pray, oh Lord, that you will touch them minister to them. Whatever the need, Lord, I may not have touched on it. But whatever need today, I pray, oh God, that you will show yourself strong. And just like the woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, the woman from Shuma, she made her connection. She exercised her faith. And as these moms today make their connection with you, trusting in you, believing, O oh Lord, that you're the answer for their calamity. I praise you, O oh Lord, that you will touch them and you will touch their world and you will fix it in the mighty name of Jesus. I give you praise for it, Father. I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor for it, Father. Hallelujah. I give you worship. Hallelujah. Knowing, O oh God, that the Holy Spirit is at work and that your power is moving among this among this, this sanctuary today and, and that known or unknown, oh God, seen or unseen, that your hand is there, that, that, that you're the father of provision. You're El Shaddai, you're more than enough, and that you're our healer. And I give you glory for it, Father, in Jesus, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Now, Lord, I just pray that for every mother, that today will be special, that anything that's caused them pain, you'll just settle over them with peace and may this be a day of peace and a year of peace for them in Jesus name amen praise the Lord amen isn't the Lord good why don't you give the Lord a praise amen glory to God oh hallelujah hallelujah prayer partners if you'd please come our prayer leaders are going to be around the front if you need prayer for anything in particular if you just make your way down front and let them minister to you Everybody else, if you'd stand to your feet, glory to God. I just speak a blessing over you. Praise the Lord. May this week be awesome for you. I pray you'll walk in Psalms 91. You'll be protected. You'll be safe. May God just bless you in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The altars are going to be open. There'll be ushers in the, in the aisles to help you find someone to pray with you. Amen. Other than that, I say God bless you. Bye-bye. We'll see you later. All right? Amen.